Hi, it's Vera. Welcome to episode seven of the PL Pod. Every month I tell myself I will be ahead of the game and my podcast will be finished right on time. Once again, no. I guess I was otherwise occupied. I mean, you know, floors need sweeping, dishes need doing, life is filled with chores, but also, I admit that a good part of my time was allotted to admiring the tree that grows in my neighbor's yard. It's beautiful. The leaves have all turned bright yellow, almost the color of a lemon skin, and the tree fills the entire space at the front of their in front of their house. And when I sit down to breakfast, it's like a, a light shining outside my window. From admiring this tree for years, I know that when we get our first blast of heavy fall rain, the leaves will drop to the ground, forming a big yellow circle that, you know, looks more like a 60 shag carpet than a fairy circle. <laughs> and I love the tree and the changing picture it creates when it does these things. And also anyone else who cares to take note of it can see the same thing. <clears throat> In my opinion, writers are a little like this tree and its seasonal changes. Writers can't go full on without a rest and regeneration. We all need to stop writing output so we can replenish the well. Sorry if that cliche bothers you. <laughs> I think it's true, though. I've spoken about the importance of observation before, and likely you're tired of hearing the word, but replenishing a writer's well is about paying attention and adding observances to your store of goods to draw on as you begin new projects or return to abandoned ones, just like that beautiful tree with its seasonal changes. I know the mental image of that tree budding in the spring and then bursting with green leaves through the summer will sustain my hope for the coming seasons when the ground is white and I'm frozen stiff. In 2017... I self-published a collection of mixed short fiction and creative nonfiction titled Daisy Chained. Stop me if you've heard this one. I will be the first to admit that it would have benefited from a blue pencil treatment by a good editor before it hit the stacks. I also admit it has given me some gratifying moments. There are a couple of pieces in the collection written about my friend's two daughters who coincidentally live with the lemon tree. The pieces are titled Page and the Bug and The Kid Says. I wrote these two pieces so I'd be able to fully recall the kind of sweet moments we sometimes encounter in life and, you know, all too often ignore. I'd like to read you a little bit of Page and the Bug. Page and the Bug. I scooter out into the driveway. The books I need to return to the library two blocks away, are in my basket. It's a nice sunny day, perfect for a ride. I see Paige, our neighbor's youngest daughter, standing on the very edge of their driveway. The tips of her little pink shoes are touching the edge of the sidewalk, but she's not actually on the sidewalk, which is forbidden. Jade, Paige's older sister, is nowhere in sight. Too bad. Within a few seconds in Jade's presence, she will have opened up and told you, well, everything. Paige is more circumspect. 
Paige is small for her age. She has dark brown hair, big blue eyes, and a voice that is surprisingly gravelly. Her smile is usually deliciously full. But there's no smile from Paige today. She looks quite solemn, almost afraid. Which makes me wonder if everything's okay in Pageland, so I drive over to where she is standing. I say, hey Paige, what's going on? Her eyes are wide and I see she's on the brink of tears. There's a bug on the house back there. Paige points toward the back corner of their house. I now understand why she is here at the edge of the driveway, but not on the sidewalk. This is the farthest point in their yard that she can go with parental permission to get away from the bug. The girls next door are both afraid of bugs, and that statement includes Paige and Jade's mother. The three of them have a most impressive fear of bugs. And I'll stop there. That's a great memory for me, though. And <clears throat> bugs will be leaving us soon, as you know, because, well, I'm we have a fly in the kitchen, so they're not leaving soon enough, in my opinion. And now I'd like to read you a little bit of The Kid Says. Early Saturday afternoon, my husband, Ralph, who is in the garage varnishing our tabletop, yells into the kitchen window, Vera, open the door. In the 30 years we've been married, I've learned this. During any kind of renovation project, even one as simple as table refinishing, I should always follow directions immediately and to the letter because there might be blood. I opened the door. Jade, who is six years old and new in the neighborhood, stands in the porch. She's wearing a sundress with a frilly cardigan. She has long black hair and big hazel eyes, which you can see very well because she has a tendency to look over her glasses. She says hello without any accompanying smile and sidesteps me to walk into the kitchen. I'm a little surprised by this um, impromptu visit. Our previous socializing has been a couple of minutes here and there when her mother and I chance to meet outside. <clears throat> she sits down in our almost empty kitchen and smooths her dress over her knees. She has the look of someone settling in. I see no alternative short of bluntly booting the kid out, so I say I sit down and I say, What's new? My finger's infected. She holds up her pointer finger so I can get a good look. Yep, it's infected. There's so much more to that. There really is. That you should give it a read. <laughs> Information for that and many other things is on my website. Uh, you know... With Thanksgiving over, we are no doubt thinking of Halloween. So I've written a triolet for you that gives my impression of what I think will happen to the trick-or-treaters this year. Halloween. Ghosts will ride on Halloween. This year, I'm sure they'll be sad. There will be few, few children seen. But ghosts will ride on Halloween. Specters will scream, and yes, they'll keen... But no humans will feel bad. Only the ghosts will ride on Halloween. And this year, I'm sure they'll be sad. I like triolets. <clears throat> I owe Kim Foner a big one for <laughs> pointing them toward me when I, you know, she challenged me and then I had to do it. So continuing the creepy theme, 
In 2018, Matt Del Papa of Madcap Press in Capriol published a comic called Zombie Digest. Contributors included myself and Tom LaDuke. Bonnie Ulette Mathieu also illustrated the thing. She has pieces in it as well. Emily DeAngelis, Lisa Coleman-Brown, Rosanna Battagelli, Laura Forshu, Matt Del Papa edited the thing as well, and Paul Manziak. I'm in it as well. <clears throat> this was a project I entered with hesitation, knowing nothing of zombies except someone told me they fall down a lot. <laughs> I wrote several failed small poems, and finally I came up with one that Matt would accept. Either that or he just wanted to put me out of my zombie-esque misery. And, you know, while I know these are not haiku, and they're not even in the same time zone as haiku, they're entertaining, and when else am I going to be able to read them except close to Halloween? So I've decided to label them jests and leave it at that. Here we go. Shakespearean zombie, friends, Romans, countrymen, let me eat your ears. Zombie falls in the forest. Anyone? And its companion. Zombie falls in the forest. Of course. <laughs> Soccer zombie, K kick, fall. <clears throat> Baseball bomb, zombie, swing, fall. <laughs> and you can see why these did not make the cut. They're not all perfect. Zombie Digest is still available. If you're interested in picking up a copy, my contact information is available on my website, veraconstantino.com, and I can put you in touch with a man who has the comics. And that's it for me for this time. It's been fun. <laughs> Thank you for stopping by. And you know what I always say, write something. It feels good. Bye for now.